Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope this message inspires you and encourages you. Enjoy today's message. series to change forward. And I just want to tell you today, as I start today, that today, as I begin the message, it is going to be very, very practical and it will get very, very spiritual. Okay. So we're going to go through like today. I believe that if you will just listen, if you want to, if you want to get better at all, if you want your family to get better, if you want to get better, today's the day. I mean, today's the day. So if you will just uh, take these notes and you will apply them then you can get better. And so I'm so excited about that. Look, look, uh, look what the, uh, we want to talk about today, discovering who you are, okay? Now, you may think you know you, but you, I don't know if you know you or not, all right? We know you, but we want to make sure that you know you, all right? <laughs> okay, never mind, all right. <laughs> look what the Bible says in Psalms 139. It says this, you are made in all the delicate inner parts. You have made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully what, everybody? Complex. complex. And that's who you are. Just look at your neighbor and say, I'm complex. Just go ahead and tell them right now, I'm complex. That's right. <laughs> your workmanship is marvelous. Oh, I like that. How well I know it, I look in the mirror. <laughs> yeah, right. What I want you to know is that we are all complex people, every one of us. And the greatest thing that you can do is become self-aware as to who am I. You can never be better or do better until you know better. And you've got to know yourself better in order to do better in life. So I want to give you three things today that, that are going to help you tremendously if you apply. I can only give you information, but if you will take the information, you'll have transformation if you put it into practice. And so I want to share this with you. I'm going to give you three things today. And the first one is this. If you want to, again, to discover who you are, is identify your personality. You've got to know who my, what your personality type is. This is so, so important. As we go through these personality types, I just want to say this right at the beginning. There is not one that's better than the other, okay? So uh, when we start talking about these, the elbows always start flying because you go, that's you, that's you, that's you, all right? We want to make sure that it's okay to, to just nudge them and say, that's you, but we want to make sure that you recognize who you are, right? And so the first one that I want to give you, again, is the personality type that, that I discovered, and I'll, I'll give you a little background after I give them to you. The first one is the choleric type, the choleric personality type. The choleric personality type is the leader. They're like, they, they just thrive on leading. You know, matter of fact, what makes them good leaders is that they're like, let's do it now. We don't want to wait. Let's charge hell with a water pistol. Let's go. That's who they are. And, and so their strength is that they get things done. But their weakness is this, 
is they leave a lot of damage in their wake because they don't, they don't think about people's feelings at all. Matter of fact, right now, elbows are starting to fly now. Like, that's you, that's you, that's you, that's you, that's you. They don't think about people's feelings at all. They just think about task at hand, let's get it done. And, you, you know, you cry, baby, stop crying, let's go. And so that's who they are. And so before you get excited about being a cleric and a leader, just understand that a lot of people don't like you. Okay? I have that trait. The second one is what we call sanguine. Sanguine person is, oh, everybody loves them. Oh, they just love the sanguine. The sanguine is the life of the party. It's the person that makes sure that everybody has a good time. And you say party, they are there. And they're going to make sure that everybody has a good time. Is They're so excited to be around. And they can get people excited about anything. You know, that's who they are. But they have a downside as well. Is that they overpromise and underdeliver. And also, they're never going to be on time. Never going to be on time. That's right. They're always late and, you know, just lagging around. And, and, they, and, and the follow through is very difficult for them to follow through. And so they have to work on these weaknesses. They can sound so good, but yet not deliver. And then the next one is what we call the phlegmatic. Phlegmatic uh, personality type is a person that probably is liked the most. They, the, the phlegmatic is the most loved person because their, their motto is peace at all costs. They, you know, the phlegmatic, they don't have many enemies at all because they're just, they're just peace loving. They're not going to say anything that's going to hurt your feelings. They're just going to be very, very nice and kind. And, and that's just who the phlegmatic is. The phlegmatic does not want to be in charge. A matter of fact, they, they don't like being in charge at all. They hate making decisions. They will drive you crazy because they won't make a decision. And yet, you know, their weakness, again, is that they don't like to make decisions. But th their strength, again, is a phlegmatic, is that we would, they're people that we would love to negotiate for us because, again, they don't have many enemies. And then the fourth one is what we call the melancholy. The melancholy person is, uh, let me just say, out of all four of the, uh, the personality types, they usually are the most intelligent. I mean, they're usually uh, real artsy. And I would say this too, is that to the, the melancholy is a perfectionist. They want it done right. They want it done right. And they will constantly tell you that we have to do things right. They lean into right. They want it right. But the weakness of a melancholy is this is that they will keep analyzing until they're paralyzed. So they analyze until they're paralyzed. They want it so perfect that they never make a move because they can never be uh, good enough. And so we have to struggle. Now, let me just tell you, the reason I share this with you is because, again, I only know me, and I want to use me because I don't want to talk about you. All right, I ain't got your permission. But when Rhonda and I got married, we come out of two different backgrounds. My family was choleric, always fighting for their right and always taking charge. And everybody, my mother's choleric, my dad's choleric, my sis, brothers and sisters, they're choleric. That's why we can't hang around each other too long or we'll fight. I mean, because, you know, we just clash, you know. And, and then, uh, and, and so Rhonda's family is more phlegmatic. They're just laid back. 
And so for 10 years we were married, and I thought, you know, something's wrong with her, but dear, by God's grace and help, I will help her to change and be more like me. <laughs> and I spent 10 years trying to make her like me. And I made her miserable and me miserable as well. And it almost cost us our marriage because I didn't understand the personality types. Once I began to understand this, that we're all different and we're all important, and here's what I want you to know. Opposites always attract. Again, you, you know, it's hardly ever that a choleric marries a choleric because they fight all the time. They just can't, you know, they can't stand each other. But, uh, you know, so it makes sense that a choleric would marry a, a phlegmatic because they're opposite. And so opposites attract and then they attack. Because we can't understand why they're not more like us. It's our difference that made us attractive to each other, but then it's our differences that drive us crazy. And Rhonda would tell me, you know, I have a sanguine side of me. So like on the stage, you see the sanguine side of me, but my staff would tell you that they see the cleric side of me. Let's get it done, you know. They see that side. And so Rhonda said, you know, Jeff, it was your willingness to lead that I fell in love with it. And, you know, your sense of humor, but sometimes it makes me not so happy. <laughs> and the same with you. You probably feel that as well. So we have to know, know who you are and know who your spouse is and know who your children are. Know it, and it helps you in life. Okay. So what I want to share with you is here's the next step I want you to take with me. On the back of your card, it says this, I will do my best to be more understanding of people not like me because everybody's not like you. And again, let me speak to the cleric because I am one of you. Only 10% of the people in the whole world are like us. Nobody else. Most people are not like us. So that's why, you know, when you say, let's just get it done, they don't understand what you're saying. All right? So we have to be more patient. The second one is this. Identify your love language. Identify your love language. This is so, so important because I keep meeting people like myself who says, you know what? Well, you know what? I just don't feel loved by my spouse. I don't feel loved by my parents. I don't feel loved. And here's the deal. If you don't know what it takes to make you feel loved, you can't ask for it. Amen? I'm so miserable, but I don't know what, I, I don't know what I'm missing. You know, I'm just not happy. I hear so many people, I'm just not happy. Well, why? I don't know. What do you want? I don't know. Well, until you know what you want, you can never get it. Yeah. Amen? Amen? So that's why I'm taking you right now through this. So know your love language. What is it that makes you feel loved, okay? Love is not a feeling, but we all need to feel loved. Amen? Yeah. And, as you, and uh, this psychologist uh, Dr. Gary Chapman wrote a book on the five love languages. I think it's so helpful. And here they are. The first one is the words of affirmation. What is that? How do I know if this is my love language? Because you love it when people say nice things about you, when they praise the work that you do, when they constantly are talking about you. It makes you feel good on the inside. And the reason that a lot of people are workaholics today is because they get praise at work and they don't get any home. And so if their love language is words of affirmation, guess where they're going to stay is where they feel loved. Yeah. And so just, just understand that. And then on the next one is physical touch. Some people, don't, some people in order to feel loved, they, they like to be touched. I saw this uh, uh, this week. I was uh, uh, actually Monday. I was eating at a Chick-fil-A. And uh, this, this couple come in, and I was watching them. They were at the register trying to order 
and they had two boys, and the younger boy was probably about 10, 11 years old. His mom was trying to order, and he was just hugging her. He was just hugging her. Finally, she said, wait a minute. Let me order, and you can touch me again. <laughs> mom had had all she could take. What I, wanted, what I wanted to say, what I wanted to say to that mom is, listen, you know, your son's love language is touch. He loves to be physically, he loves touch. He loves hugs. And, and what I want to say to her is it's very evident yours is not. <laughs> the next one I would say is this is receiving gifts. Some people like to receive gifts, not just expensive gifts. You think, well, yeah, not a new car. It's gifts with thought. It has to have thought behind it. It means that you thought about them to get this gift for them. It could be like, you know, maybe getting them their favorite candy bar when you've been away. It's like, you know, finding that and getting to it. And it just makes them feel very, very special. Another one is quality time. Quality time. Quality time is just, I want to be around you. I, I just want to, we don't have to do anything special. I just want to, I just want your time and attention. And let me tell you something, the quality time is not having your nose in your phone. That's a big deal today. It is destroying more relationships than anything I know right now. And everybody got their phone, their nose in their phone. And especially for somebody that's quality time, you're saying, I don't love you. Every time you keep looking, they're with you. You're saying, but I don't love you. I don't love you. That's what they're hearing. You're not saying it, but that's what they're hearing. The next one is acts of service. Acts of service is that it really lights your fire when someone does something for you. You know, like maybe, maybe you're working and then someone helps you out. And you're like, man, that was so kind. It made me feel so good. Are you at home and, 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 you know, you're about to, it's about time to do the dishes. And all of a sudden, you know, uh, your spouse comes in or your children come in or your parent comes in. And they say, let me help you with that. Man, it lights your fire. And what I want to tell you is in saying these to you is this is that you need to share these with the people around you because we don't know. We, don't have, we have no clue what it is that lights you up. And, and Rhonda and I for years did not know, you know, and, and here's what I find. If there's, there's good people that, that love each other but don't feel loved by each other and they break up their marriage and their home because they don't feel it, then the reason is is because no one ever shared with each other what it is that I need to do to make you feel it. Now here, again, going back to Ron and I, again, because I don't want to talk about you, all right? So I'm going to talk about us. Is that when we, we didn't understand this about each other either. When, when we, got, we got married, we didn't know. And so it just freaked me out. Like mine, you know, my love language is, is touch and, and words of affirmation. And we would ride, we would, Ron and I would get in the car and we would have to ride an hour somewhere. And she would sit over there because, you know, she doesn't talk a lot. And she'd just sit over there and look out the window. She wouldn't hardly say anything because that's just who she is. And you see her on the stage. And say, oh, you go, man, that's the most outgoing person. No, that's not who she is. That's God that's just doing something. I mean, that don't happen any other time. And so, uh, you know, I'm like, you know, I'm thinking, you know what? I wanted to hold her hand. This is so silly. I wanted to hold her hand. And I was thinking, you know what? She really loved me. She'd want to hold my hand too. And she would never move toward me. I'd put my hand up there on the little console, you know, and I'd give a little hint. Nothing. 
I'd start tapping my little fingers like this, da 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 da, da nothing. <laughs> and by the time we got to where we are, I'm ticked. <laughs> I'm mad. I'm getting, I'm we get out of the car, I slam the door. And I'm like, come on. She's like, what's wrong? What, if, what happened? What's wrong? I don't, I don't, you ought to, come on, get, let's go. Because I wasn't going to say, well, you didn't hold my hand. <laughs> but that's what I wanted. That sounds so silly, doesn't it? Yeah, but it is so true with all of us. Yeah. Rhonda's is quality time. Rhonda would, we, anything, as long as we do it together. So, it's, so I didn't get this. So when we get married, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm going to take care of, of washing the cars. I take care of the lawn, everything else. I'm going to take care of that. And so, you know, you're going you're, you're to clean the house. I mean, it's Saturday. Okay, we're having this conversation. We got these things to do. It's okay. Well, I'm going to go ahead and mow the lawn. I'll take care of the cars uh, while you clean the house. And we'll be doing about the same time. She's like, uh, uh, peacemaker, uh, why don't I... Why don't, why don't I help you mow the lawn and wash the cars and then you can help me clean the house? I'm like, what? <laughs> what are you, what, what? No, 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 no. I'm going to mow the lawn. I'll wash the cars. You, you clean out. We'll be done at the same time. Well, I just want to do it together. Are you serious? Yeah, that's all, but you know how freaky that is to me? Like, why do we have to do it together? I don't... I'd, let's just get it done, right? <laughs> but hers is quality time. And Rhonda's is still that. Well, it doesn't matter what we do as long as we do it together. That's it. It doesn't matter. Let's do it together. And so once we understood that about each other, it changed everything. Not only about us, but our children as well. Understanding what their love language is. Understanding what our parents' love language is. Understanding what our coworkers' love language is. Understanding what our friends love, you know, because it doesn't take you very long to start understanding this. And once you do, then you, you know what people need in their relationship, right? They need encouragement. Now, if your coworkers is, is a physical touch, you have to do an air one, all right? Hey, how you doing? <laughs> just, just saying. I'm just saying. I've got to be practical because somebody will walk out of here and say, well, you know, I need to touch them, right? And the next thing you know, we've got a problem on our hand. No, no, no. Okay, there we go. <laughs> it's, it's horrible. We had to live in that day, but that's where we are, right? And so what I want you to do is understand it. Once you understand that, then you can change it. Or you can actually, you, don't, you can't change it, but then you know what to do. And so the greatest question, the greatest thing that you can do when you leave here today, or those of you that are watching online, is to tell the people around you, this is my love language. And the reason that you're not feeling love is because nobody knows what it is. And you haven't told anybody. This is what makes me feel love. And let me just say this to you. You have to remind people because telling them one time is not enough. Somebody said to me, well, I told them one time, but we had this conversation two years ago. But you know what? They stopped. What do you you got to remind them. Because we naturally go back to who we are. And the thing about your love language is, is I want to love the way that I like love language. So when Rhonda and I were married, so I would get her, and I would hold her, and I would hug her, and I would squeeze her. And about three seconds in there, she's tapping out like MMA. <laughs> she's tapping out. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. I'm telling you. We all, on my back is one, two, three. Okay. You're smothering me. 
And what do you mean I'm smothering you? I'm hugging you. No, you're smothering me. We didn't know anything about that. And now she does good. She can go by six seconds. <laughs> but I'm just trying to tell you, you're going to fight over this stuff until you get it right. And the reason I'm taking this time on Sunday morning to tell you, because, listen, this can save your marriage. This can save your relationship with your children. It can save those relationships. All right. Number three is this. Oh, let's give you the next step. The next step is this is I will share my love language and discover the love language of those I love. That's love, is being willing to discover it and be willing to apply it. Number three is this, is identify yourself spiritually. Now, when I say identify yourself spiritually, what does that mean to you? A lot of people will say, well, I'm a spiritual person. That's not what I'm talking about, what you think about yourself as far as being a spiritual person. Because there's a lot of people of all different world religions says I'm a spiritual person. There's a lot of people that say they don't believe in God, but say they're a spiritual person. What I want to say to you is this. It's today, how do you identify with Jesus Christ? How do you identify with Jesus Christ? Because in a, either you're following Jesus or you're not. See, some people say, well, you know, I know the man upstairs. Oh, do you? First of all, I've never read one place in the Bible where he says he's called the man upstairs. Never, never read that. You know, I know the big guy. You know, and so the thing is, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Are you following Jesus? That's how you determine if you're spiritual or not. Am I following Jesus, all right? So I want to share this with you. Uh, I would say this to you that when we get to Romans 10, 9, and 10, it tells us this, that a saved a saved person publicly confesses Jesus and practically believes in Jesus. Okay, look how it fleshes out here. Romans 10, 9 and 10. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is what? Lord. Lord. Okay, lordship means this. If you have a landlord, you, you live in a rental property, you have a landlord, that means they own the house. They make all the rules about the house, you stay in the house. Are we clear about that? Everybody understand what Lord means? So that's what it means. That means he's in charge. He's got the ultimate say, okay? So if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord, he's the landlord of this temple, everybody, amen? amen? All right, here we go. And you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Okay, here we go. So to believe in your heart means that to believe in your heart means that you act on God's Word. See, to believe in your heart means that you act on God's Word. The, the word believe is an action verb. It means I'm doing something, okay? It means believing is equivalent to taking action. Here's, here's what I want to tell you. In other words, what I believe in my heart determines how I behave. What I believe in my heart determines how I behave. Amen. It's not just believing with my head because there's some things say, well, I believe that, but I wouldn't try that because I really don't believe that, right? All right. There's a, there was a tightrope walker in the mid-1800s whose name was uh, Charles uh, Blondin. He actually stretched a tightrope across the, the uh, Niagara Falls from the uh, Canada side to the, the American side, and he walked across that tightrope. 
He walked across that tightrope several times. Matter of fact, he walked across it with, you know, blindfolded. He went back and forth across that wire several times. He even got a wheelbarrow, blindfolded himself, and pushed the wheelbarrow across the tightrope from the American side to the Canadian side. And uh, the crowd just cheered and awed. Wow, whoa, man, that's amazing. And then he's asked a question. He said, do you believe I could push a person across this tightrope in a wheelbarrow? And everybody cheered, yes. And then he said, okay, who'll get in the wheelbarrow? They all screamed, we believe you can, we believe you can, we believe you can. Yes, we believe, yes, we believe. But when it comes time to getting into the wheelbarrow, they really didn't believe it, did they? Why? Because what you believe in your heart, it determines how you behave. And so when just to say that I believe in, I believe in Jesus is that with your head is not enough. You got to get in the wheelbarrow, right? You got to get in the wheelbarrow. That's what changes your life. I'm so tired of hearing people say, well, I prayed the prayer. Well, maybe you said the prayer, but you didn't pray the prayer in your heart and say, no, I believe it in my heart enough to get in the wheelbarrow and do what Jesus said to do and take on the world Jesus' way. Amen? You see, it's believing in your heart that changes everything. It's not about what I think. No, it's about what I do. It's in my heart. It's what's in my heart determines my behavior. And if, and if receiving Jesus didn't change the way you behave, then, man, we need to go back to the cross. Amen, everybody? And see, we got a, we got a, we got a community and a country full of people that, that's got a head knowledge of Jesus. But see, it's got to get to the heart. See, the difference between your transformation is 18 inches from the top of your head to your heart. That's where it changes. And see, he, said, he goes on and says, and you confess with your mouth. What are you confessing? You're confessing what's in your heart. I believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and life, and I believe so much that my life is going to change. I'm going to act the way he tells me to act. I'm going to do what he says for me to do. And when I fail to do that, I'm going to ask him, forgive me, and I'm going to get back up, and I'm going to get on again with him. Believe that God raised him from the dead. What does that mean? That means that you've got this confidence in the power of God. You believe in the power of God, that God can do anything. If he raised Jesus from the dead, then you believe in your heart that he can do anything. Amen? You say, do you, do you believe he raised Jesus from the dead? Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Then get in the wheelbarrow with that. You know, why don't you pray like that when you're praying about your marriage? Why don't you pray like that when you're praying about your children? Why don't you pray like that when you're praying about your job? Believe in your heart. He can do that. Amen? Amen. Until, you, until you begin to pray like that. See, that's what prayer is. This comes out of here. That's where faith comes from, right? I believe it. I'm getting in. I'm going all in with Jesus. Amen? And when you believe that God raised him from the dead, you know what that means? That means you believe so much in the power of God and the love of God that God's got you no matter what and that God's always got the last word, amen? He's got the last word. God's got the last word in your marriage. God's got the last word in your finances. God's got the last word in your health. And God's got the last word in your job. And God's got the last word in this world. I believe God's got the last word. Hallelujah! 
got the last word. It ain't over till God says it's over, everybody. Amen. Amen. I'm not, why, why are you not discouraged, Jeff? Because God got the last word. He got the last word. It's not what you say or what you say or what you say or what you say or what you say. It's what God said. God's got the last word. He's got the last word. Come on, stand with me, everybody. God's got the last word. That's believing in your heart. God's got the last word. You see, when you have, when you believe in Jesus, when you believe you get in the wheelbarrow and you say, no, 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 no. I don't care what the world says is right. If he doesn't say it's right, it's not right. I don't care. I don't, it doesn't matter what the world says. It's what Jesus says. And when you live that way, it changes you. And you become a follower. And you become a powerful man or woman of God. And the devil is so scared that you're going to get this today. Because it changes who you are. The way you look at yourself is, no, no, I'm not the same anymore. The Bible says that when we become all in with Jesus, that we are new creations. Amen? You've got a new faith and a new confidence. It's not what I say. It's what he says. It's the last word. Now, here's the deal. Are you a Christ follower? I'm not saying that, oh, I believe Jesus, I believe he raised from the dead. Yeah, history tells us that. It didn't take any faith to do that, right? We, we, never, we never met Abraham Lincoln, did we? we did, but history tells us that he lived. Jesus, we never, we never, we weren't there when Jesus was, was there and on the earth. We didn't meet him that way. We met him here. History will bear the fact that he, he lives, but only your faith will bear the fact that he still lives. So here's a question. Are you following Jesus? Are you spiritually identifying with a relationship with Jesus Christ? And there's some in this room today, and there's some that are watching me today that says, no, I have a head knowledge of Jesus, but it never got to my heart. And it takes, he said, you gotta believe in your heart. And when you believe in your heart, you're not scared to confess him. When everybody else is cussing him, no, you say, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. No, 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 no. Jesus is my Savior. Amen, everybody? Amen. When the world is telling you that, that Christianity, oh, no, that's just all, that's just outdated. Oh, no, 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 no. No, no, no. He's right here. And he's guiding this ship. And I'm going to trust him all the way. And when I take my last breath, I don't see him physically, but when I take my last breath, I will see him as he is. Amen? So here's a question. Do you know Jesus? I want to talk to those of you that say, you know what? I really don't know him. Today, I want to ask you right now, why don't you make that decision to know him? And how do you do that? First of all, you ask him to move from here to here. Did you hear that, everybody? I want to be saved. And being saved is saying, okay, I accept that you died on the cross. Okay, I, I, but I want to believe it, Lord. I don't even know what that means, but I want to believe it. I want to believe it in my heart today. And that means it's going to change how I behave. 
It's going to change. It's going to change how I behave. So today, I want to pray with you. So would everyone bow their heads with me? Today, if you want to be saved today, and he's saving you from you, you say, Dear Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. and Help me. Help me to do your will. Because, God, I'm going to mess this thing up if it's left to me. And, Lord, I want to live for you. I don't want to just fire insurance, oh, God. Not, I don't want to live for you just because I don't want to go to hell. But I want to live for you because I, I know that you've got a better plan for my life. So today, come into my life and save me. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give God a hand for that? Amen, everybody. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net. And click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.